You are listening to the Sideline SaaS Podcast, episode 56, Hot Dog Hangovers. In this episode of the podcast, I recap my very first 4th of July at the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest with two of the guys who competed in it, 24th ranked Derek Hendrickson and 6th ranked Nick Weary. Derek talks about his first Coney Island experience while Nick dishes about the venue change and trying to beat Joey Chestnut. Nick also talks about his fiance, top-ranked female eater, Mickey Sudo, and their brand new baby boy, Max. But first, some housekeeping stuff. Hey guys, Emily Van Buskirk here. Welcome to the Sideline Sass Podcast. If this is your first time listening, welcome to the Sassness. The Sideline Sass Podcast is generally produced every two weeks just for you, and the show notes can be found on the episode page at Spreaker.com. Make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts, and feel free to rate and review. Let your girl know how she's doing. If you feel like getting social as well as sassy, make sure to follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Sideline Sass with three S's. Or if you're more like my mom, go ahead and like the show on Facebook. If you like what you hear and you want to see more, check out the website www.sidelinesasswith3ss.com for more sports content. And feel free to follow the SAS on my personal account at Emilnem, E-M-I-L-N-E-M on both Twitter and Instagram. And if you didn't write all that down, I got you. All those links and handles can be found in the show notes. Now, let's get sassy with some people. Sideline Sauce fans, we are back. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I cannot believe we're in the 50s. We've been doing this for years and it's still fun, but I am still hooked on this competitive eating grind. I cannot get over it. I just got back from New York where I covered the Nathan's hot dog eating contest for the first time as I promised Joey I would do and I make good on my promises. So I was there to see him break his own record, which I told y'all would happen. Nobody ever listens to me, but if you did, you would have known I had said he was going to break it by one because that's just the kind of insight we have here on the Sideline Sass podcast. But we're going to keep going with this competitive eating for at least one more episode because I want to talk to a few guys that were in the contest that are not named Joey Chestnut because there are other eaters out there, you guys, and their experiences are very, very important, um, just like Joey's was. So first up on this episode of the podcast, I am joined by Derek Hendrickson, nicknamed Heavy D, gotta love that, from Las Vegas, Nevada. He was in the contest this weekend, and he's going to talk about his experience. Welcome, first-timer to the podcast. Derek, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. I wish I could have done a, like a more George Shea intro, but um, I don't know that anyone ever could. I don't think. That's a tough, that's a tough task to handle. Yeah. No, there's, he's good. He's good at what he does. He really is, and honestly... Like I'm going to, I've been real with my listeners. I have never watched it before, but I've always heard about, you know, I've seen his YouTube of his intros for mostly Joey, but others too. And I was like, who is this guy? And how did he create this environment in this sport? And then it wasn't until I was standing in front of the stage, watching him dance, like moonwalk and like dance and do all these things. And I was just like, okay, I get it. Like you have to meet him in person to really understand the energy he brings. Right. I feel like that's a true statement about all of competitive eating. Okay. Like, oh, you're just like shoving like hot dogs and all the buns are gross. It's like, no, if you come see it in like all its glory, it's much different, but no, it, it's always fun hearing. Cause like mm-hmm. we don't know our intros so it's always entertaining because it's like, I'm just as surprised as you are as what's being said about me. Did you, I mean, but as you're walking out now, I was fortunate enough to stand right there and watch you guys ascend the stage. And, you know, all of you, especially George, cause he had like this serious face this year, but all of you guys are very dialed in. Do you even hear George's intro? Do you hear the people that are screaming there? Or are you just like single track, like get up to the stage, get set up? As a first timer and being on ESPN, I was like, don't trip. Like I was like full Michael Scott. Like, I don't know if you're an office fan, but I was uh, yeah. like, you know, don't bring out the guns, no twirls. Like 
you know, I practiced at least four different intros where my friends were like, nope, too many hand gestures, oh, no. like, you know, that kind of stuff. So my, my goal was just like not to trip. That okay. was, that was, that was going through my head. Like you did it. You were successful. I you made it. it up to the stage. And then when you're up there and you're looking out overall, I mean, this year was a little different. Obviously you don't have a reference comparison um to like having done it out on the boardwalk or even last year they did it in a room this was the first year that they had it in the stadium and again my first time as well I thought it was really neat having this stadium full of fans kind of cheering you on because it it was this really cool mixture of baseball and competitive eating where you you felt the competitive nature of the sport really shine through because it was in that environment was that a cool thing to look up from the table and see this whole stadium full of fans yeah, it took me until the very end to actually get to that moment because, like, so we, we you either bring your own water mm-hmm. or they have your cups filled. Right. So I, I always like hotter water. So, like, as soon as I got to the stage, it was, like, all hands on deck to, like, get my water poured mm-hmm. and get everything assembled and ready. So I didn't even notice the fans until, like, afterwards when I was like, wow, this is pretty, this is pretty cool. This is pretty, uh, this is something special here. And it turned out to be great weather, which we've heard from the past is definitely not the case. It's usually humid, hot as hell at that time of the year in New York on Coney Island. But for some reason, the gods blessed us with very cool breeze. You know, there had just been rain and and people were kind of worried about rain. I think I talked to you right before the contest and we were talking about whether or not, you know, rain would be helpful. George had come on the podcast and said, you know, he wished that it had rained because he trains in the rain. So he he was prepared for that advantage. And I, I feel like you may have said the same, that you would have been okay with rain. Is that correct? I would have been okay with yeah. rain just because, like, my natural practicing grounds are outside in 100-degree heat. <laughs> so I know, like, I don't excel in that. So when it's colder, okay. I'm always better. But I think the craziest part to me about that stadium, to be honest mm. with you, in full ADD, was the field. Like, okay. as a former baseball player, oh, that's they had right. no dirt, and it was just, like, that composite turf with like the black pellet. Oh, like even on second base, like I'm not sliding into second base. Cause I feel like I'm just going to tear my knee. Up. <laughs> wow. Only a true athlete would, would recognize in the midst of all this, that the, the field was turf. Cause honestly, I don't even think I noticed that to be honest with you. <laughs> that, that's just like the, the weird odds and ends of like the stuff I noticed is like, yeah, I was like telling the other eaters. I'm like, who would play baseball? Like, there's nothing that's going to stop a ground ball. Like if it's a hot shot, you're just going to like be like getting a new face. Like oh this is my God. That is hilarious. And, and you didn't, you didn't eat um, with no shoes. You're not one that does it without the shoes, correct? Or uh, correct. Okay. I, 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 I to continue my persona, which I've always been since like day one of being like into this kind of food challenge, crazy mm-hmm. life. I've always made the joke that this is like, a sport because everyone I mean even some of the eaters are like this isn't a sport if it doesn't have a ball it's not a sport so I've always made jokes like I wear like compression sleeves like (laughs) I did when I played sports and I wear wristbands and stupid stuff and people like on YouTube and Mm -hmm. Instagram all the time are like oh is that for this is that for that my purely 100% fashion like (laughs) if I ever make enough money I'm going to have someone, like, taping my ankles before the game, like, you know, like, running back. Like, I'm going to be fully just decked out. I'm that guy. Like, I try to make it so much of, like, a mockery that this is a sport that I just do that. I love that because, honestly, we had this conversation. I talked with Darren. I talked with George. And I actually interviewed Darren's cousin or uh, George's cousin, who is a former NFL player, 12-year offensive lineman veteran. His name's Ron Heller. And I did a whole story on the fact that this is a sport because y'all are athletes and it's a competition. So I went to him, a guy who played, you know, the sport of sports in the NFL for years and coached. And I asked him that question. I was like, cause he's seen George eat in person. And it wasn't until he saw that in person that he really understood that this is a sport and y'all are in fact athletes. And so people should definitely check that article out, thewholegame.com. It's a great piece. But so you are confirming 
that this is a sport you guys are athletes and you're so much so that you're dressing the part is what you're telling I, me. I try to be funny about it okay everyone's like split on it so okay. i just like try to think of that next level and, and just be funny to like loosen the tension because at the okay. end of the day like a lot of eaters obviously take this super serious yes. i'm not saying that i don't but at the end of the day there's something that just makes me laugh about like <laughs> grown men shoving oodles and bundles of hot dogs or burgers or whatever the yeah you know, whatever the food is that day and just like such a thing because like food challenges are so much different than like the competitions right yeah yeah and so a lot of people never make that jump and they never experience like the professionalism because food challenges are kind of like you know hit and miss yeah. and just real amateur hour you show up even after you've called them and like scheduled it and they're like oh no we don't do it anymore and that we're like like you felt like mm-hmm. that that's an orchestrated professional event what we witnessed yeah it was and there is a big difference from what I've heard between the contest and the challenges, although uh, George's cousin went and saw him do a challenge and the way that he, you know, George set, had everything set up is guys, you know, and as you move through this, I think the closer you move up and the more you're getting into those coveted, you know, top 10 spots, I think you do take it a little more seriously because the higher you're ranked, it translates into more opportunity and being part of this, you know, major league eating team. So I think you know, you're. I'm actually going to disagree with you. Oh, okay, okay. Because, like, to me, mm-hmm. the rankings are so subjective, and there's no okay. straight line. It's not like tennis and golf, where you know you can come out and do that, right? Okay. And then I think it's really like how much can you flex and market yourself? And George <laughs> does a great job of that. Yeah. Where there's other eaters that sit higher than both him and I that have world records. Yeah. That when they like talk about doing events, they don't mention I'm a world record holder. Right. It doesn't matter. Like people are never going to question like, Oh, what's your world record. But like, that's where I found tremendous success is like, I tell people I'm a top ranked competitive eater and they like, Oh wow, that's something different. Like yeah. it's all about how you approach that. That's true. Marketing is definitely a big part of this, especially because it is such a niche environment. And, and so obviously before the contest, you did a bunch of media and you were talking to people in Las Vegas. And if you Google your name, you can find these articles um, and you talked about, you know, how you got into this and how excited you were for, for this dream to come true about competing on this stage. Do you feel that you did yourself justice with how you competed um, that day? Were you happy with the 25 and a half that you ate? What do you think you could have done better? Why don't you walk me through that a little bit? I mean, I'm the type where I'm, I'm, I'm like never happy. Okay. Like, <laughs> When I was in high school and was a baseball player, like I beat the number one team in our state mm-hmm. and I wasn't happy because okay. like I, 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 you know, we lost, we won three to one, but I just wasn't happy with some of the pitches I made. And some like, I'm always that kind of person, like always hypercritical. Like I'm my own, I'm my biggest critic. I'm my own worst enemy type of person, mm-hmm. but like I wanted 30. That's what I was gunning for. So I was happy with 25 and a half, but yeah. like I still show my rookiness by the inability and it's almost like NFL teams. You see the teams that really dominate year in and year out. They pivot during the games. Yeah. If this isn't working, if the run game isn't there, we're going to stick to the air. I'm like a 1960s coach. We have six plays. I'm going to run the <laughs> ball every damn time. And if you clog the middle, well, I don't know what to do, but we're just going to line it up and smash mouth football. Then. So <laughs> you're just going to keep doing the same thing until it works. <laughs> and, and that's what I did. And so like uh, Sarah, Sarah Rodriguez, uh-huh. who came in in the uh the female contest she her husband was two meters away from me and so she was going back and forth because we are friends outside of eating and you know all of us have gotten together and you know travel places and stuff like that she was like clear your mouth no more hot dogs sir clear your mouth like she was yelling at me because that's always my thing so if i would have gone to one dog instead of two dogs i probably would have gotten a little bit higher okay but it's hard in that moment i mean could you hear her saying that Oh yeah. Oh, I was wow. laughing. Cause I was like smiling at her. Like, cause she was like, not another one. And like, cause we always call her like mama bear. Cause that's how kind of she acts when we all go out and like yeah. party and interact. She's always like the mama bear, make sure everyone's safe and taking care of why we do dumb things. So Aww. yeah. That's crazy. I didn't, I guess I wasn't, there's so much going on. It's really hard to focus on everybody's individual strategy, you know? And uh, of course everybody's watching Joey to try and see if he can do what he does. But my biggest question, well, one of my biggest questions to you is now that you've been up there and you've seen the chaos, but you've seen all of the cameras in your face and everybody watching you, 
There's long, long time rumors that, you know, Kobayashi has accused Joey of cheating. There's been cheating conspiracies throughout this whole thing. And if you go down that rabbit hole on the internet, it's crazy. But do you, having been up there now, really think it's even possible to get away with cheating like that? No. Right? No, it's no. not, they watch you so close. Well, it's not really that they watch you so close. But, like, you also have your eaters next to you that you're kind of gauging. Like, you know, yeah. it's like you're driving a race car. Like, you know where kind of the guys are around you mm-hmm. and people are. But then also, like, at the very end of the contest, because this happened to the guy next to me, Ronnie Hartman, and, like, he's a professional wrestler. Right. And so I was laughing because, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with the Montreal Screwjob with <laughs> WWE and Brett the Hitman Hart. But I said, Ronnie, this is this is the Coney Island screw job. Your counter totally like iced you, man. His counter was off eleven hot dogs and box. No way. So Ronnie oh thought he was at thirty eight, and he's like, oh, I ate over thirty, and, and they I really like, feel no. like I did. And then they come around, and Sam, who was the lead official, goes, No, you ate twenty seven. I don't know what you're talking about. And he's oh like, No, I ate God. over thirty. I really feel like I did. But it's funny because then I asked, like, people that were watching me and him, they're like, no, you two are, like, neck and neck. So, yeah. like, I think 27's right. So, yeah. I, I think it's really tough to, like, in, in any sport, it's so tough to cheat. It's like the Astros in baseball. Like, <laughs> you have to be so dialed in at cheating. You have to be almost better at the game to cheat than you, like, you know, than just playing the game. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, that's that's a very interesting way to look at it. Because, and you know what? I heard that there were – I've heard horror stories of the counting. You know, Darren talked about one last year or two years ago, he had a professional baseball player as his counter, and the guy just wasn't paying attention. And at one point, Darren, like, slammed the table and was like, hey, you know, keep up. But Darren made it sound like he kept the internal count, and so he knew exactly where the guy was wrong. But then again, Darren's like very type A and that, that doesn't surprise me. But yeah, you kind of know how many you're eating, right? right <laughs> you kind of know how many you're, like you're keeping track for yourself, right? No. It, oh. It's all dependent on the eater. Like okay. for me, like I kind of know, but then. But you rely like, on them. I, I don't rely on them. I just know like at the very end, the plates are going to speak for themselves. Okay. Like, because some people get caught up in the number, and then then they kind of go down the rabbit hole of like, oh, I'm supposed to be a 23 at six, and I'm not, and then they start mentally beating themselves up. Where it's like, I was just like eating and trying to find that rhythm, and then that's better for me. But no, I mean counters are always off. That's always the funny part. Yeah, I mean it, it almost brought me to tears because like <laughs> I was at the Iowa State qualifier with my buddy Brett Healy, and. The counter was off on him. So I turn around and like it shows 28 to 27. Brett's a better ranked eater than me. So I'm like, oh my God, I did it. I'm going to Coney Island. This is amazing. And then all of a sudden they're like, and the winner with 32 and a half. And I'm like, whoa, 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 time out, time out. Where did this extra five and a half hot dogs come from, bro? And they're like, oh yeah, we missed a plate. And I'm like, I understand one or two, but five, five and a half. Yeah. And, and, and Darren, I think you met him. He's always got good systems in place. Yes. His idea, and it's kind of like umpires now with earpieces, is like they should have athlete meetings with us. So it's like, hey, I'm going to be your counter. Okay, well, I eat two dogs at a time. Yeah. And then I eat my bun. So at least they know what to look for. Yeah. Because like with Joey, and I think that's why people might think, oh, he's cheating. It's because it's like he goes so fast. Yeah. Like it's almost like a magician. It's like sleight of hand. So <laughs> I got to tell you, I was unprepared for watching him in person. I've never seen him eat in the years of our friendship. It was horrifying, I think yeah. is the word I want to use. Like, I had a hard... Beautiful disaster. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. I had a hard time looking at him in the face after at the, par- at the after party. It was just like, I couldn't see him anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it, it, it's crazy, but that's why I also say it's like a sport because like, yeah. we have to train just like they do. It's yeah. just everything's different. And I mean... You got to go through your stretches the morning of mm-hmm. and all that kind of crazy, you know, stuff. But it's it's fun, you know. I mean, yeah. I miss competing, and then so it's giving me an outlet to kind of compete and something to like strive for. Yeah, I love that, and I love that all the eaters have these kind of unique backstories and um, and all these fun. Look, I like getting to know you guys because there's there's so much behind it that people don't realize, and all the journeys are different and they're all interesting, you know. But yeah. And you talked about we were we were chatting on the pre-interview. We were talking about football, and I want to bring this up now because a lot of my fans, a lot of my 
listeners are, this is a football heavy podcast and you yourself are a Packers fan. Yep. All right. And, but you live in Las Vegas and we Mm -hmm. were talking about the new stadium and you told me this great story. I want you to tell the story to the listeners because this proves my point about Las Vegas Raiders, like not a thing. And so tell me the story about you trying to go to a Raiders game. So we want to support the hometown team here and just check out Allegiant because you can go tour it. But I mean, like touring, it's one thing, but like experiencing a game is a whole different thing. Mm-hmm. Plus they've like built this up to be like such a big, huge, like they're, they're making it like an event, right? Like they right. have to in order to sell this price tag. You can't just have it be a game. It's got to be like an, an event. And so I was looking at like tickets to go for preseason, season, whatever. And I was like, oh, the Seahawks are coming to town. I was born in Seattle, lived there for nine years. So I like Russell Wilson. He's a Wisconsin guy. Yeah. And the tickets were like not even great seats for like over $400, $500. Like that's what they were going for. That's what they were being asked for. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, for preseason, I'm going to see one series. <laughs> so I fired up my phone. And I was like, how much is it for, like, Bears at Lambeau? Because I want to go to, like, visit my friends back home in Wisconsin, blah, blah. And it was, like, $188 in a good seat, like, 34th row in the end zone at Lambeau in December 12th. So, I mean, like, I get it. It's going to be negative 5 degrees. But, I mean, that's the rivalry. That's That's part of it, yeah. So, with, like, plane tickets and a ticket in the end zone, it was, like, $400 versus staying here, driving 20 minutes and paying 500 that's crazy to me and i don't think people quite understand the difference there because you're seeing an iconic game probably everyone's bucket list is to is to be at lambo for that game see a lambo leap you know feel that environment versus something new and shiny it's like what yeah and that stadium like it's a nice stadium don't get me wrong but like there's a reason it's named the death star like yeah. it's just like this giant black orb in the middle of the desert yeah but no, it's crazy how some of those games work. Because, like, Peyton Manning's last year in Denver, when I lived in Denver, the uh, the Packers came to town, and it was cheaper for me to fly to, like, and I get it because it was the Detroit Lions. Right. But, like, it was cheaper for me to fly to Detroit, watch a Monday night football game, and fly back than it was to just go in my own hometown. So it's always kind of crazy to me how all that, like, those models work. I like that you're, like, uh, on top of it, looking up different ways. This is what's going to make you a good eater, too, is because you're always looking for a different angle. That's very interesting. I like that. Well, it's, you know, part of it being a uh, an only child when you have <laughs> no one to blame. you got to figure out ways to get creative. What position did you play in football? I was an offensive lineman. I was actually the blind side. So oh. I was like, yeah, my, my prime time of fat, I was 315 pounds, but mm-hmm. I played at about 295 in high school. So that was, a, you know, pretty... Pretty fun times, and I played as a baseball pitcher as well at that same weight. So I could only throw about eighty-five. What was your like? Tri- what was your pitch though? Like, were you a? You- I was a twelve to six uh, curveball specialist curveball. Okay. at sixteen miles an hour. Yeah. So I threw like one of those like Barry Zito like real slow top to bottom curveballs, okay. which makes my fastball look faster. And then the fact that I was fat, I could hide <laughs> the ball between behind my gut. So it was like a really late eye on getting to it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I wasn't skinny, so when I broke my hand, they didn't get the extra appearance of, oh, he's got two fingers here. It was, like, all this motion of, like, a bowl of jello just suddenly, like, <laughs> coming at them. We love that. We love that. You would have done well in minor league baseball, honestly, because that is yeah. – you're, like, a marketable, you know – player in that regard like people want to see that that shit so. well, that always makes me laugh about some of the eaters is like they're very quiet and i understand the mm-hmm. different personality types but i'm like we gotta have fun with it like, you do it's our, it's our job to grow the league and like yes. there's people that can eat circles around me but i get different opportunities like i'm sponsored by michelob ultra and they're like why i'm like i reached out and i'm like yo i drink a lot of your beer and like I lost a lot of weight, eat a lot of hot dogs. And they're like, all right, this is great. Like, let's send you a couple cases of beer a month and have you take some pictures for us. Are you kidding me? That's one of your sponsors is Michelob Ultra. Yep, Michelob Ultra (laughs) and then a a supplement company. That is is amazing. Michelob Ultra is probably my favorite beer. I don't drink a lot of beer, but when I do drink beer, it's Michelob Ultra. And I get made so much fun of for it. So this makes me feel better. What makes me laugh is that, you know, they have all the NBA and all the problems, you know, with those athletes and whatnot. But I did a challenge and and, and it, it was not a pretty challenge. Um, Are know, any of them pretty, to be fair? 
As some of them I find are like beautiful, like okay. when Darren when Darren ate fifteen dozen or twenty five dozen oysters and he oh, didn't God. even look like he was sweating it. That that's beautiful to me because okay. it's like wow, I would be dead right now. Yeah, like that kind of stuff. But I'm always like like I've tried different segments okay. called fitness and fatness. Because, like, your doctor's like, oh, don't eat 15 minutes after, or don't exercise whatever after 15 minutes. And I'm like, no, let's combine the two. So I tried to do, like, 100 push-ups while eating 100 Oreos and stuff like that. Like, I'm getting 100 jack-in-the-box mini tacos while doing a 100-yard bear crawl, like, taking breaks and doing all this kind of stuff, right? Is this the kind of stuff that we can see on your YouTube channel? I've had to tame it down because okay. this is where it's going Michelob Ultra. So okay. I did this beer mile, right? Like where you run a quarter mile, drink a beer. I've done that in college. <laughs> so I, I chose the 25 ounce variety. Okay. And then I decided to up the difficulty. Oh, I'd no. eat a Chipotle burrito every quarter mile. Oh my God. <laughs> and I made it three quarters of a mile before the demons were summoned out of me and I got a letter like three days later. Cause I'm not a big YouTuber. I just do it more for fun. And I have like some great fans and whatever. Yeah. And it was like Nicola Balcher. And it was like one of their brand managers told me like, they saw the video and like, this isn't within brand and blah. I'm like, Oh shit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and then, and that's what like kind of changed my philosophy on the internet and like how I help like people that are, like, cause I only have 3,500 subscribers. Okay. But there's other people that are trying with like 400, 500. And, like, what's your advice? I'm like, you don't need a hundred thousand views. You just need the right people to view that video and like you. Cause yeah. clearly that video only got a thousand views and one of it was Michelob Ultra. So, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. What? Oh my God. Well, what is their channel called? So people can go follow you. It is called the adventures of heavy D because like, let's be honest, everything's kind of an adventure, right? Like <laughs> I love we're, it. We're in New York. Like, so I don't know about you. I'm a huge fan of Jeopardy. Like, that's how, like, my competition <laughs> bone, that's how deep I go. Like, I love Jeopardy because it's, like, that was always a thing. Uh-huh. The bartender at that bar is, like, was on Jeopardy and, like, the Tournament of Champions and is, like, one of their biggest, like, fans ever of Jeopardy. He was, like, one of the fan favorites, the bartender. There. The one at the after party? Yeah. Wow. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, check check out him. He's got, like, 70,000 followers. He what? signs autographs. But, yeah, he won $400,000 on Jeopardy. And so I asked him, being the prick that I am, yeah. like, what was the hardest question? He's, like, the one that lost me $200,000. And I'm, like, holy shit. Yeah. But he's, he, he's got that question. Like, that's the one that's on his brain. Yeah. That's crazy. So you just yeah. found this out from chatting with him. No, like I knew he looked familiar. And I'm oh, like, you, you recognize actor? And he's like, "No, I wish I was." Blah, blah, you know. And I'm like, "Well, where do I recognize you from?" He's like, "Jeopardy." Jeopardy. And I'm like, no shit, oh, you're that guy. He's like, "I'm that guy." That's hilarious. So, like, well, yeah, speaking of that after party, I we were supposed to go back to the hotel and do a challenge. Whatever yeah. ended up happening with not wait, what what was the challenge going to be, or the what were you guys trying to do, and why didn't you guys do it? Well. You know, Darren and uh, Darren, Darren had, you know, was a little, was a he little was ambitious that night. Yeah. He, he was very ambitious. <laughs> he always has the can do attitude, which is why I love Darren. Like, yes, you, you meet people with similar energy and Darren mm-hmm. and I have that definite similar energy. And what we were hoping to do was to go to the top floor of the elevator mm-hmm. and start chugging three beers. And you had to be completed by the time you got to, to the bottom, the bottom yeah. floor. So we were hoping people would stop the elevator because then we also thought it'd be hilarious if the doors opened and, and there's people, are chugging beer. people yeah. just chugging beers yes. and people are just like, what's that look like walking into an elevator with like three grown men chugging beers with like eight other people rooting them on and then get to the bottom floor, walk out, grab three more beers and, and walk go back, back up. up. Okay. Go back to yeah. But you guys know this was at two in the morning. So the traffic aspect was probably not going to be very high. Oh. I, I have no doubts in my mind that George could do a six pack of beer in under a minute and a half. Oh no, I agree with you. I just think, and I totally think you guys all could have done it, especially given the state you were in. But I just don't know how many people would have gotten on the elevator. Oh no, you're good. Like we just that, that, we just have been a funny video, regardless. I know I mean, it would have been like, funny. You look at some of those stupid things that go viral. It's yeah. like yeah, the next thing you know, everyone's chugging a beer in an elevator. Yeah, I tagged along because I was. I wanted to see it and, and be part of it, but it just fell apart, unfortunately. But well, maybe next time. 
that's usually how the nights go. Although the other group that we went out to breakfast with the next day didn't get back until seven. In the yeah, morning. I saw that. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was glad to be in the first group. Yes, the <laughs> that's probably very fair. Well, well, it'll be something for next year's event because Lord knows I'm addicted to this now. I'm going to be there every year cheering you guys on because this was. You're a, a Raiders fan, right? I am a Raiders fan. Yeah. I mean, Josh somebody, somebody has to be okay. It's just, that's, I was raised that way, but my most well, important, in Vegas. I know where they all hang out. We can go there. Go it's there not, for beer it's not the same. Once you've had beers with Janikowski, you really don't, there's nothing more Raider than that. You know, like no, nothing more. I, I drank beers, beers with Sebastian Janikowski. <laughs> um, okay. But I have my biggest football question and then we're going to, I'm going to let you go. Okay. What are your thoughts on the fullback? You know, I, I think it's an underutilized position. Yes, it is. Do you think that it's still very much alive? I don't think it's alive. Oh, no. But I think it should be. Okay. Because in my opinion, like you have Von Miller and some of these, and like Clay Matthews back in the day that are edge rushers that can't really pass coverage as well as they can. And right. that guy just getting out there to beat them. That that's like that's why I think Belichick has utilized the fullback very yeah. well in his He did. And and I'm surprised that you don't think it's still alive because hello, Wisconsin utilizes a fullback at the college Sometimes. level every year. Alec Ingold, this last year, Mason Stocky. Like it that's, th- college. that's a different that's a different game. Well I'm talking it's, I'm talking NFL. It's not that much different since the spread. I mean, once the spread was introduced into college and the NFL has adopted. I mean, it, it's the same system now, and the fullback just kind of got lost a little bit in the shuffle. But they're still very much alive. Like you look at you look at Keith Smith on the Falcons. You look at CJ Ham on the Panthers. There are fullbacks in the NFL. Almost every team has one. People just they think they look like running backs now because of the way they line up, you know, or tight ends. I guess. Who's your favorite fullback? Like of all time or right now? All time. All time. It has to be um, a guy that I had on the show. Um, he, oh God, this is tough. Cause I've had, I'm a huge fullback fan. That's kind of my brand. I love fullbacks. I think they're very much alive and well, but I think Daryl Johnston is going to have to be my favorite from the Cowboys. Okay. That's fair. He's that's just, fair. he's like such a positive guy, but I, I also, you know, you have to say all stop because Mike all like the godfather of that, fullbacks. That, that was one of my two. Yeah. Mike Who's the other one? John Connor. I think oh. he's like an undrafted, but I mean, like, look him up. He's on the Jets, but just the name, just John Connor as a fullback. I mean, that's, inc- that's incredible. Yeah. I didn't even I know that. I just want his name. <laughs> well, I feel like you might have had fullback potential the way that you view the game. So that's why I was curious your thoughts. No, I, I'm too fat and too slow. Excuse <laughs> me. I'm not too fat and too slow. I'm too large to play that position gotcha. and I spend too much time in the same spot. Got, like okay, there we go. That's See, that's a positive way to look at it. I like it. All about positivity. John Kuhn. John Kuhn was the, probably the greatest, uh, greatest Wisconsin hero in the 2000s. God, you have extensive knowledge. We'll have to come back and do just a football conversation because this is – so is Wisconsin your college team? Wisconsin, Wisconsin and the Washington Huskies are my two college okay. teams, and then the Packers, and then whatever hometown I'm living in. So by default, I'm I'm a Raiders fan. I like Waller. I think he has yeah, Waller's sport. incredible. He's, do you I mean, know he's a rapper as well? I didn't know he was a rapper. I know he's like a model, but like the thing <laughs> that speaks to me is like how bad addiction is. Like we all yes. talk, like a lot of people are like, is addiction real? Is it not? Like right. is it just mental disease? I'm like. This guy was literally trying to get cut off an NFL team making millions of dollars mm-hmm. that people would literally probably, you know, do it, like sell their kit, whatever they had to do to get that opportunity. Yeah. And this guy was trying to like get out of it because he wanted to go take painkillers. Like, His story, it, 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 yeah. His story crazy. is crazy. And he advocates for, for addiction and mental health. And that's such an incredible thing. But you should listen. He just released a song on Spotify and or on, you know, all the streaming platforms. And it's pretty, for a guy who plays football for a living, he produced it himself, everything in the song. And it's pretty good. So 
Can't be worse than the NBA Raptor. No, it, it's it cannot, and it is not, and it's way better. And so plug Darren Waller. I've been trying to get him on. I've been trying to get him on forever to talk about his struggle. So one day I'm gonna get him on here. That's and the goal. That's the goal. That is that is the goal because he. Honestly, he's just someone that you can look up to in this league. And it's hard sometimes, you know, with, with all of the bad stuff to remember that there are people advocating for good things. So um, I like him. I'm glad you brought that up. But all right. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Um, thank you for having me. Of course. It's been great hearing about your journey. I'm, it was so cool hearing your perspective about the hot dog eating contest. And um, I'm going to put all your information in the show notes so people can follow you, follow your YouTube, your social media. And we can't wait to see what you eat next. Go pack, go, fear the deer. <laughs> there you have it. All right, guys, stay tuned. We have another competitive eater coming on to talk about his experience at the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. And he just had a little uh, bundle of joy surprise. So he's going to talk a little bit about that. Stay tuned. That was... Derek Hendrickson, and he honestly, I could probably talk football with him all day long. We should start a separate podcast where he talks about his love for the Packers and our mutual um, distrust of the Raiders situation. But he had some great insight in his first time at the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. So I thought it was kind of a fun fish out of water interview with him because I was going through that too. It was my first time, didn't know what to expect, but very exciting. And so I thought to finish out this episode, I needed to bring on some OG people. I need to hear from someone who has been in multiple venues there, someone who whose experience is going to be a little bit different from Derek's. So I went digging through some of the top eaters and I harassed this man all week until he finally came on with me. Just kidding. He's awesome. Welcome to the podcast, Nick Weary. First time on Sideline Sass. Thank you for coming. Thank you so much for having me. I am excited, and I, I want to clarify my comment. So Nick is engaged to Mickey Sudo, who just had a beautiful baby boy. And the funny part of the story is that I'm texting Nick after the contest, like, hey, come on the podcast. Let's set a time. Let's set a date. All the while, he's in the hospital dealing with this, you know, birth of his first child. I mean, this is your first child, right? <laughs> Uh, it's our first child it's, together. It's I, your uh, first child together. And I'm sitting here just blowing you up while you're in the waiting room. So I apologize for that, but at least it makes for a good story. Yeah, yeah, totally. No problem. And how I've got, how is the the mother and how is the baby? How is everything at home? So Miki and uh, his name is Max. Max, yeah. They're doing awesome. He good. decided to join us uh, about three weeks early. Uh, he does things on his own time. He's a little bit stubborn, <laughs> much like his parents. Yeah. Um, um, they're doing really well. Good. Uh, some, just some things when we got to the hospital. Um, but ultimately, she's doing well. She's recovering quickly and well because she's, you know, just, you know, superhuman. Yeah. And Max, <laughs> Max is doing very well already. Holding his head up and then trying to push himself up. And oh, my a, God. Um, already? Today. Jeez. Yes, he is, um, you know, George Shea quoted that he's already the 40 sec, right? 42nd <laughs> ranked eater in the world and he was still in the womb. So uh, he's doing it. a quick pace to to elevate that. But hopefully, hopefully he never takes any of this up. But uh, they're both doing awesome. That's amazing. I'm so glad to hear that. What a what an incredible end to this crazy month for you. Because you guys, like, part of what we talk about on the last two podcasts about competitive eating is, like, you know, this Nathan's is the Super Bowl for you guys. It's really no other way to put it. And not only were you able to compete in your quote unquote Super Bowl, but you're also welcoming, you know, life into this world with the person you love. I mean, how are you ever going to top a month like this? Uh, that's a tough one. <laughs> that's a really tough one. Yeah. You know, uh, because we had, um, you know, in the middle part of June, we start doing, you know, a lot of media yeah. for Nathan's, you mm -hmm. know, leading up and especially a lot as a couple. And, um, you know, so we had that going and she yeah. was getting ready to, to be on the broadcast team. And then I was doing my practices. Uh, we got my other two kids down yes. to visit. We had them for a little bit. Um, then, of course, we go up to New York mm -hmm. and ready to go, kind of getting everything going for the new venue. Um, I have a pretty good placing and had a personal best and she crushes the broadcast and then yes. Max joins us. So I guess the only way to top this is, you know, and her and I've talked about it is, uh, 
she comes back and tries to win an eighth title, and then I uh, go try to take that mustard bell from Chestnut. Oh my! I that just gave me like goosebumps. I'm like fired up to see that. That's <laughs> that's like a Hollywood ending to this movie that you guys have created. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's just no other story like yours where you guys met <laughs> and you do the circuit together, and then you fall in love, and then you propose on a live stream in Vegas. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. It's like, yeah. they should make a movie about you guys. They really should. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would be a very interesting, uh, very, very interesting, bizarre movie at times. But uh, it's been fun. The proposal was was really cool. played out really well. It was either yes. going to blow up in my face and be the least romantic thing ever. But it, uh, <laughs> but it turned out it was romantic in our, in our own bizarre kind of way. Being that, you know, we, we met the 4th of July mm-hmm. um, at the gym yeah. of the hotel they put us up in for Nathan's, you know, three it's, years ago. So it's a, uh, our world is to an extent as bizarre as what we do is yeah. different. It's revolved around this largely. Like some couples go hiking and some go out to romantic dinners. You uh, guys just crush food yeah. challenges. It's funny. And I got to ask the biggest question. I'm sure you get asked this all the time, but like it, it competition in a couple is healthy. It's of course normal and good, but does it ever get, I mean, you guys seem so great together that it's hard to imagine you ever getting over competitive with each other, but do people probably ask you that? Like if it gets like that? Oh, totally. We're, we're very competitive. Okay. We're competitive okay. some of the dumbest things in the world <laughs> on a day-to-day basis. Like we've created games just for her and I to play basically mm-hmm. like, like inside jokes that we, when we do practices in the typical year, mm-hmm. um, it's extremely competitive regardless of what the food is. Like we can tell you pretty much every time we've competed against each other and the mm-hmm. breakdown has been virtually 50, 50 that she beat me by half a street taco in Santa Monica. Wow. I beat her by half a bratwurst in Snowbird, Utah. Like she, whooped me in toronto and poutine and then there's 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 a lot of things that we are incredibly competitive like but with that said we're also each other's biggest support system right. so i want her to be every single person on that stage except me <laughs> you know i want because ultimately both those checks are coming home yeah. but uh, i would prefer to have the trophy with my name on it and the second Fair place enough. trophy with her name on it. i can tell because you're definitely keeping score like you knew each of those places <laughs> Like, you knew where you beat her and where she's beat you, oh, yeah. and I, I bet she does, too. <laughs> oh, yeah, completely, yeah. To Basically, to the pound or to the, like, whatever the unit of measurement is for the food, we will know. Yeah. That is so funny. Well, we're looking at this last year, and obviously, you know, she she was unable to participate, but she did such a good job in, in the broadcast, and that must have been such a fun experience for her um, getting to do that. But I want to hear about what it was like for you being in this baseball stadium uh, of all places. I mean, it normally takes place on the boardwalk. Last year was in this like secret undisclosed location, which now we know <laughs> we know was at Nathan's indoors. But um, And then now you're in front of all these fans in a baseball stadium. What was the biggest difference and did it throw you off at all, you know, or was it just business as usual? Um, so it was... It was more like business as usual, okay. you know, compared to, to like a normal year, like how um, 2018 and 2019 were for me because right. of the fans are as great as it was to like have the dividers and not be getting hit by like debris <laughs> yeah. in, you know, in 2020. It was um, it was slightly bizarre to be just in front of media. And there's an energy that comes from fans that's uh, it's electric, mm-hmm. you know, thousands of people screaming for you, against you, all the people that you kind of normally see there, give or take. Um, there's an energy that comes from them and, um, you know, and, and a lot of people will say like, Oh, we're there to support each other. It's like, I'm there to kick your ass. <laughs> you know, I like you. We can be friends before or after the contest, yeah. but really that's what I'm there for. And, and that's super motivating. So to get that intro, to hear the crowd and, and you were there, you heard it, that the, um, uh, basically the acoustics in mm-hmm. that stadium were awesome. It was amazing. They were awesome. Yeah. So like. They went ballistic, you know, when they were announcing everybody and then, you know, Chestnut comes out and George is stopping and there, there was a point where, um, one of my friends who was, you know, in the ca- crowd, Ricardo Corbucci, who mm-hmm. will probably be on that stage next year. He was like, you were shaking you yeah. know, like, and it was with like focused excitement. Like a, I, um, with that many people with that kind of type of surrounding yeah. in front of a crowd, you're either going to get crippled by the anxiety yep. or you're going to thrive. Yeah. And I become like a coiled spring That's awesome. where I'm just ready to go where one of two things is going to happen. I might either just, you know, punch someone in the face <laughs> or I got to eat hot dogs. Like one of the two things is going to happen. But fortunately we have the, uh, 
had the hot dogs. It was awesome to be back in front of a live crowd, yeah. you know, Gold Jr. and Rich and Mickey killed the broadcasts. Yes. Uh, so it was uh, it was a lot, a lot of fun. And I was psyched to be back in front of uh in front of all the fans. I mean, they, I was, so this was my first time and I've never even watched it on TV because I, Joey and I have been friends for a long time. I just never could bring myself to do it. I just couldn't. And so <laughs> he had been upset about that and he's like, you need to come out. And so I was like, fine, I will. And he's like, you, you know, your first time should be live. So I was like, I'm in, let's do it. I was surprised by how many people were just there, not like a casual 4th of July, like, oh, let's just go to Coney. It's like people were there because they love the sport and because they love watching you guys. It's crazy. Yeah, that was really cool, especially like I enjoyed, I know it's normally on the corner of Surf and Stillwell Mm -hmm. up there on Boardwalk, and and that part's really cool, the tradition that goes along with that. Um, I really enjoyed the stadium atmosphere of making it a ticketed event because you kind of, um, there's a, a cost of entry, so to speak, although they were free tickets, there's yes. a, there's a cost of entry. So like it's people who are interested in it. They want to be there. They're yes. not like, Oh, what's going on over there? You know, right. Like, they're not just walking by like, Oh, what's this? Exactly. <laughs> so the people in there are really, really into it. Yeah. That was really cool to me. Um, yeah. as, as great as tradition is, it's like going to see a, um, a ball game at Fenway park. Yeah. Fenway Park is great and it's lovely and I've been there, uh, but with all due respect, it's also kind of a dump. And I'm sure Red Sox fans are going to get really upset if they hear that, but like go to PNC Park in Pittsburgh and it's unbelievable. You know what though? Some of of the best things in sports are dumps. I I will have to say like, because the tradition trumps, you know, the new, because you look at some of the new stadiums like Las Vegas or, you know, LA and it's so cool and shiny and new, but like there's no history there. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. It's, it's like a trade off. Well, just like Heavy D. Right. So, you know, I Lambeau Field is okay. one of the coolest things. Like, that's on my bucket list to go see a game there. But I know for a fact, like, I've been to um, Gillette where the Patriots play. Right. And that stadium is unbelievable. Yes. You walk around in there. It's basically like its own city. So mm. it's that give and take. So if we're back in the corner next year, I'm assuming that's the plan. That'll be excellent in its own right. But with that said, I, I really enjoyed the stadium you know, atmosphere as well. So either way, however it works, as long as we're back in front of a crowd, yeah. kind of ready to go, um, her and I will be ready to compete and just like to kind of entertain people. I know. I can't wait. And and I actually, that's a good point. I'm very curious if they'll go back to it because I feel like the stadium did so well. People could buy concessions. There was, yeah. you know, food and drinks. It was like a real event. And I feel like that did such a service to the sport, you know? Yeah. It felt very much like a, yeah, like you said, like more like a, a traditional yeah. huge sporting event. So if they could find some balance between those two, mm-hmm. I think there's there's probably a happy medium somewhere that may take some time. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I really, really enjoyed kind of how that balance was. And even like where they had the years go. Yeah. Being the first year somewhere, I think it was run exceptionally well. Yeah, it was. It felt like. To me, you guys were like gladiators because the way he does the, you know, like the intros and the way you walked out through the crowd up onto the stage, it was such a cool moment, you know, in the arena. So, yeah. And you managed to eat 44 hot dogs. Um, very, very respectable third place behind Jeffrey Esper, who I believe had 50. And yep. obviously Joey breaking his own record with 76. So... Yep. The question is, the two-parter, were you surprised that Joey managed to beat his record? And how did you feel about upping your total now and and closing these gaps between these, you know, guys ahead of you? Um, so as far as Chestnut breaking the record, I'm never overly surprised. Because I came and I <laughs> yeah. stay in touch relatively, you know, over the course of the year, mm-hmm. um, whether that's a talk shit or, or just talk, you know, back <laughs> and forth. And I knew he was feeling pretty good. The only thing, honestly, that made me nervous for him to break the record, you know, yeah. um, was when he weighed in. Uh, and when I saw Joey and when he weighed in, and he, he might be a little, you know, pissed pants I say this, but Joey was heavier. <laughs> Okay. Than he normally is yeah. going into Nathan's. I okay. think he was around 240. Um, and I think the last couple of years, Chestnut's been close to the high 220s, yeah. 230. Um, but he looked he looked good. He looked yes. healthy. Um, he looked very good. And he seems very happy. You know, he and I'm psyched for him. He yeah. seems incredibly happy. So, like, honestly, that to me played an even bigger part. I'm like, Chestnut's happy. Seems very happy. Seems like he's in a really good place. Yeah. Um, and he was very cordial. A cordial joking 
chestnut before a contest does not bode well for any of the other competitors. <laughs> That's good to know. Like, okay. Yeah. Before pork roll a few years ago, he poked me in the stomach like Pillsbury Doe, like, hoo-hoo type of thing. And I'm like, oh, shit. He's in a good there mood. Uh-oh. And he annihilated <laughs> the record at pork roll. Like, he proceeded to just beat us. Yeah, a happy chestnut is a dangerous chestnut. Um, so it's like, want, like, when he shows up and he's kind of pee pants and quiet, I'm like, all right. That's you got a chance. <laughs> so it's a double-edged sword because I'd rather have him happy. He's my of friend. Of course. You know, yeah. that said, um, I was confident that he could have a really good day. Okay. Um, and the weather was perfect. So good. You know, as far as eating conditions, it was yeah. warm enough, but it wasn't like deathly hot because yes. chestnut like myself, when it gets really hot, we overheat in about four seconds. Yeah. Um, he sweats like crazy. So he's, uh, he's yeah. been quoted as being a professional sweater. Yes. Yes. So he's, um, he definitely <laughs> does. But... <laughs> As far as my number, yeah. um, I've been there four years and it's gone up four consecutive years. And I'm, I can say I'm the only guy on the guy's stage that that's happened yeah. four consecutive years. Yeah. So that, that feels good. Am I satisfied? Hell no. You know, I knew <laughs> there was a better number to tank. Right. Because yeah. I've, I've, I wasn't um, thoroughly uncomfortable after the contest and I'm, I'd be a little bit as terrible as that sounds. Like the more uncomfortable I am, the better job I probably did. Right. That makes sense. Um, so, so with that said, there's definitely more in the tank. Okay. Um, but it's it's exciting to you know like Darren Brady's a great eater. Yeah. You know, all the other eaters that are there. So, so to kind of you know take that third place spot from people realistically, people expected Darren to beat me. Yeah. In the yes. last two years. Yeah. So, so to beat him, you know, felt good, and then to play third, and because last year when I got third, it was kind of said as like, oh, you only got third because the field was limited. Right. You know, so I was like, okay, fine. So then I did it in a full field and, yeah. um, and, and it feels good because I was kind of the guy that walked into the circuit is just like the bodybuilder who's show up <laughs> and he's a novelty and that's cool <laughs> and blah, blah, blah. And, but to slowly kind of climb through the ranks and be like, excuse me, pardon me, he guess he's still here. <laughs> you know, that's kind of a cool feeling. Um, yeah. so, so it's exciting to come back next year and know that, um, a progression even further, you know, yeah. some things I'm doing in practices and some things I'm doing with training, uh, I'll progress even further. And, and I, I texted Chestnut probably, I think it was the Wednesday before the contest. Yeah. Where I was like, I'm, I'm glad to hear you're training hard because when I take that bell from you, it all on the beach, you laid it down. <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't respond until I saw him in person, but it's, but that's honestly, if you don't think that way, yeah. if you're most people to mail it in and say, Joey's unbeatable at hot dogs, then don't even show up. Yeah. Don't even bother. Right. Like, I've never seen a professional athlete be like, well, you know, LeBron is going to beat me, so I'm not even going to So I'm not going to, yeah, exactly. That's like, a good point. Dude, he's a, he's a man. Yeah. Like, he's a man. He can have like, a bad day. Man. He has had bad days. We've seen it, exactly. you know? Exactly. Like, and he's eventually yeah. like any athlete, high level athlete, mm-hmm. his body's going to go. Nope. Yeah. It happens. It happens to us all at some point. Exactly. So it's like, and I will be there waiting in the wings <laughs> when that happens. But even if it doesn't, I'll continue to progress and close that gap. Yeah. He also doesn't like it when somebody's nobody at the top of their game likes it when somebody starts to push him. No, they, they, like they don't. Like and he's been comfortable close. for a while. So I yeah. think once when you guys start to get up there and, and push him, it's going to it'll be difficult because he's been kind of in this comfort zone, you know? Exactly. So I will be glad to be the person that attacks <laughs> them and does that. So, um, you know, can you imagine be, the person that dethrones Joey Chestnut? It's going to be epic. It'll be, yeah, it'll be like national news yeah. everywhere. But like even in the ESPN interviews ahead of the contest, I think they actually aired them. Mm-hmm. Darren and Jeff both said like, oh, I, you know, I'm not, I can't beat him. I'm just here to set PRs. And, you know, I was sitting there interviewing with them. It's like, look, I'm not disillusioned to think he's not the best to ever do what we do. Right. And he's probably going to go out there and win this year. But the fact of the matter is I show up to every contest with the intent to win or I wouldn't be here. Of course. Of course. So it's, if it's in the tank of that given day or if mm-hmm. my body is physically capable of it, I will do whatever it's physically capable of that given day. And that's just going to continue to get better until, until my body says no, I guess. And we'll see where that is. <laughs> Hopefully in the distant future. Well, you beat Darren by one. And I know there was some, and I, I don't, I didn't hear the logistics, but I know I talked to Darren and he, there was something with the counting of the hot dogs towards the end. Was it something to do with you or was it with him who had the issue with it? Um, apparently Darren had some issue. With yeah, him. I think he, um, yeah. I don't know what that was. Yeah. I know a lot of the times the flippers, you can't really count on those because there's a lot of moving parts yes. and stuff like that. And, um, it's easy to be upset, you know, yeah. with your count. Yeah. Um, 
whether that's judging or, or what have you, but the unfortunate thing is like, you know, there was a sloppers contest last year where, you know, Sam took away three burgers from me at yeah. the end of the contest because of the mess. And it's like, that is what it is. Dude. Yeah. You know, that, that sucks, but it's they, part of they it. It's part of it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. they make less of a mess. If you're like, well, that isn't the whole hot dog. Well, if there was nothing there, then you'd have nothing to be deducted. Right. So as much as it really sucks, it's happened to literally Everybody. every single one yeah. of us at one point or another. And if you kick my ass by six, it wouldn't have been a problem. <laughs> that's fair. So that's fair. <laughs> it's, it's one of those, it's, you know, I try to say that to myself when I'm watching like Packers games and there's a <laughs> shitty like pass interference call at the end of the game. And I try to, well, you can't blame the game on that because there's 59 and a half on the minute. Yes, that is true. But people don't, it's what have you done for me lately in the yeah, moment like, type. If, yeah. if you could see the footage from my, from like, if they had like a Nick cam. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I had to turn around and basically grab a plate of hot dogs because they didn't refill my plate. So you're not the only eater that I heard that from. Um, right. And I'm curious if maybe they just had new people plating these and it wasn't as succinct or if, if it was the new venue. I don't know if it was the venue. It did seem like there was only one or two people in charge of mm -hmm. Darren, Joey, myself, and Jeff. And that is a lot yeah. of hot dogs to be in charge of. Realistically, we should all have one a guy. person. Yeah, exactly. And as um as it kind of tapers out, no disrespect to the other eaters, but yeah. if you're only 24, it's kind of easy to replace that you got 20 to start. Yeah. You know, so it's a little bit easier at that at that point. But yeah. um yeah, I literally have to turn around and tap them and say, hey, you know, and I actually overheard at one point, I think it was either Sam or Sam was like over here, over here. Yeah, and he's like, yeah, I got it. And like, that's a little lackadaisical. <laughs> so, like, we should never be even less than two plates in front of us because even if it doesn't seem to take time, if it breaks my focus, I'm pretty pissed. I'm not gonna lie to you. Yeah. In 2019, I legitimately had to turn around, grab a plate myself, oh my and God. put it on the table in front of me, um, to which like Mickey was irate. Yeah, because those are valuable plates. seconds. Right, That's you know, crazy. because especially when we're talking about beating somebody by one, yeah, and you're also, and as much as we're talking about, oh, you beat me by one hot dog, well, it's a check too. <laughs> yes, there yeah. is money. So, yes, <laughs> we're talking about serious stuff here. It's like yeah. when I when I lost to Escort by half a brat in Salt Lake City, that was a thousand dollar bratwurst. Yes, <laughs> they all have, people don't realize the the monetary value of events like this because they just see you know, what goes on in the competition, but you guys are fighting for monetary compensation for these top prizes. So, right. So it's, yeah. um, so those things, there's always going to be people who are upset. I know I think Hartman, Ronnie Hartman might've had a problem with his counts. Yes. Um, he thought he was that. ahead. And be, I heard that story from, um, Derek and that was crazy. He thought he had more and then it turned out he had less, but it's, it's really hard to say, you know, yeah. like, cause, cause we don't obviously have GoPros or individual cameras and, right. and stuff like that. So it's really hard to gauge, especially with like the little paper plates and, and stuff of that nature. But, um, you know, ultimately at the end of the day, it is what it is. Yeah, you it know, is. If you, if you go out and you have to deal with the, the adjudication, as Mr. Barclay would put it, <laughs> adjudication is final. So you, you deal with that. And some days it works for you and some days it works against you. Yeah. You know, so it, then Darren feels like, you know, he was on the shitty end of it. I'm, I'm sorry for him. And that yeah. sucks. But like you were the, the Packers in the, the fail Mary game that day. So. <laughs> yep. Sometimes you are the, the bug and sometimes you're the windshield. It just happens. And and it was it was fun watching you guys because you guys were so neck and neck. Were you conscious of, you know, where he was at or where Esper was at? Were you pacing yourself at all with anybody or were you just focused on you? No idea. No, I have to just focus on me. Okay. Sometimes people, you know, Darren said that sometimes he'll look, you know, what, what Esper's doing to try and see if he's on pace. I didn't, it's different for everybody. So I didn't know. Yeah, no. Yeah. yeah. I can't play defense. Okay. You know, <laughs> like, I can't just, like swap a hot dog out of Esper's hands. <laughs> that would you know, be epic. With Esper's, with Esper's forearms, I don't think you're swatting shit out of his hand anyway. But like, <laughs> he, um, I can't do anything about it. And yeah. if I start so. There are contests where I've caught myself hearing George Shea or Sam Barclay mm -hmm. and noticing what other eaters are doing. And those few contests have been my shittiest performances. Okay. Because gotcha. I'm not just for me personally, um, where I go mm -hmm. in a contest is, um, have you ever seen for the love of the game? <laughs> yeah. Kevin Costner. Of course. And yes. before he goes into his delivery, it's clear mm -hmm. the mechanism. And everybody disappears yeah. in Yankee Stadium. Yeah. Like 70,000 people. Everybody disappears but him. And there's the catcher. 
And there's the guy in the batter's box. Yeah. Nobody else matters. Doesn't nobody? And that's kind of how I have to be, um, where I can hear a few things, block everything out. But George may be saying one minute, maybe saying five minutes, yeah. maybe saying two, one, so on and so forth. But outside of that, I can't be listening to anything. If I'm performing really well, I'm barely breathing. Really, yeah. you know. Yeah. The food is going down fast, and I'm not thinking about time. I'm not thinking about other competitors. All I'm doing is doing my job. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's all you can do. That's that's a good – okay, so that's interesting to hear some people, they like to dial in and some people like to dial out. And it's really just a matter of personal preference and yeah. and everything and how it goes. That's crazy. Well, it was super fun to watch. I, I am definitely hooked and coming back every year because <laughs> it was one of the coolest events. I mean, I've covered national championship games and Super Bowls, and this was hands down one of the most interesting, fun – you know, events from start to finish, like from when you guys got there to the after party after, I mean, it was just such a cool thing. So um, it's a good group of people and it really is like a family a little bit, you know? Yeah, no, totally. It's, um, it's a niche, you know, group. Yes. Obviously what we do is not, not everyone can relate to eating 220 chicken wings in 10 minutes and things of that nature. So it's True. not exactly like riding a bike per se. Yes. Um, but it's um, it's a fun group of people. For the most part, everybody gets along. Everybody's hunky-dory. And it, it's good to see everybody. And I'm psyched for next year. I know there's some, some international competitors yes. that want to come back. I think there's a, a, a large influx of new talent um, yeah. and some super talented people that could, that could come over. Obviously, we're psyched to do what we're going to do. Yes. You know, Mickey coming back. And, yes. um, and then at the same time, real quick, I'd be... I really have to just say really quick, Michelle Lesko. Yes. I could not be happier for Lesko. Like she had I such a great her. day. Oh my gosh. She is um, like Michelle is is Mickey's best friend. Yes. And like legitimately outside of whoever was out there, I was waiting outside of the like the locker room for Michelle when she got back. And I'm like, oh. I just wanted to squeeze her, but sometimes I get scared because I'm like, I'm gonna <laughs> pop Michelle. <laughs> like I literally went more than double. I, I know she's tiny. <laughs> but um, I could not be happier. You know, if it wasn't going to be Miki, that is the person who I would want to to take that title. Um, so, I, nice. huge shout out to her. Like, super, super happy for her. She did an awesome job. And she really stepped up um, even better than her practices had been going on game day. So, I'm really happy for her. Hey. And the rest of the women had a great performance, you know, in, in the absence of people. Well, well Miki isn't there. But everybody else had, you know, that month from when they found out to work. And Sophia and Laurel and, and Katie and, and all the girls put up a great performance. And Sarah, so congrats yeah. all. I know the women, and you know what's going to be weird uh, to tell you is watching the women was actually harder on my stomach than watching the men. <laughs> and I don't know why that is. And it, I don't think it has anything to do with the gender. It was just like their contest was more practiced and like, um, I don't know what the word is, but it was something about it that was more beautifully awful than watching you guys and i think it's just it's like a ballet it be the pace like the pace Maybe. is like where ours is like a really fast car wreck yes you know 80 miles an hour and it's kind of like it happens before you know what's going on yeah you know just kind of it's just terrible but i can't turn away when it's like a 40 mile an hour or 30 mile an hour you're like yeah. turn turn you're like, stop <laughs> you know, so yes. it might be although they're 10 minutes they're they're very very different you mm -hmm. know they are both of them it's, it's uh but yeah they did a uh you know all the all the women did a great job yeah. with, uh, with their side of the contest too. it was fun i can't wait to see next year and, and see Miki come back and how that all goes down and I have to ask you through her or I guess I, I gotta know which is harder eating 48 you know and a half hot dogs or giving birth like I have to know the answer I think she would tell you that giving birth is about a thousand times harder than eating 48 and a half hot dogs. Um, oh, okay. Because I kept telling her, I'm like, how many women have eaten 48 and a half hot dogs in Nathan's before? Only one. Right. Billions have given birth. Oh. <laughs> yeah, but she wasn't really buying Yeah, that. she probably didn't like that. <laughs> no, she just looked at me kind of like, shut up, idiot. But it was, um, she did it. He's here. But yes. um, 
I will say like when we do practices, mm-hmm. very rarely, except for afterwards, do I have to listen to how unpleasant it is okay. um, with the birth yes. and, and rightfully so. I'm not, you know, downplaying anything. Of course. Um, I was well aware of how <laughs> unpleasant those, you know, couple days essentially of yeah. labor and everything were. So I imagine that is exponentially more difficult and, and also just more unfamiliar. I'm sure if you of had course. seven straight children, it would be much too much. Familiar, but, uh, See, I was hoping that she would say hot dogs to get because I've I've yet to give birth and I'm terrified. <laughs> and I was like, oh well, if hot dogs is easier, then I'm fine. But shoot, I will I will say I think um, you know her body I think acclimated really well. Yeah, I, I bet it did. Like stretch marks and stuff, mm-hmm. and I think that was because like. If you've eaten 21 pounds of poutine before yeah. and growing a six pound kidney is a piece of cake. Your abdomen is like, this is, this is a cake. Yeah. <laughs> this is nothing. It's like, that's like, I, got nine, I got nine months to do this compared to 10 minutes to fitting 20 that's pounds true. of potatoes and gravy and cheese. That's very you know? true. So that part I think was, uh, made it slightly easier, but again, I'm not, I can't really speak too much for her. No, of course. And I'll have to, you know, have her on another time and talk totally. about that because just what an incredible human being she is, you know, for, for all of this, but, um, quickly, I want to ask you the last thing is you guys have created this hungry couple, you know, brand. And I want, I was curious, maybe tell me a little bit about that and and what you guys hope to do with that. Sure. So, I mean, it was kind of just something we, we joked around about for Mm -hmm. a while. And and some people were like, Hey, you know, kind of fun to Made some videos and people are like, oh, we love the couple thing and we love it and like, yeah. And we never really thought of it as a gimmick. We just kind of like, that's it just describes we, you. <laughs> yeah, they're right. And it was like, okay, yeah, kind of cool. So we're like, what if we? We actually had somebody suggest like, you know, what if you guys did like a website or something? Mm-hmm. You know, we were working with the company Mega Cat Studios. Okay. They put us in the bite the bullet video game. You know, it was non-playable characters that yeah. you could unlock. He had suggested making one, and, and Miki is, is awesome on the computer, and, like, with technology, I'm inept. <laughs> She's phenomenal. So she, she built that basically from the ground up, um, built that, and just kind of posts our YouTube videos and stuff on there so people can find the content, or occasionally, you know, restaurants will contact us and be like, hey, do you think you guys could come in and maybe help us set up this challenge or yeah. um, help us develop this or maybe do, an, a, you know, an appearance and come, you know, a meet and greet and stuff yeah. um, and then me was doing whether that's my uh, my diet you know programs or personal training stuff you know right. there, people can contact me but it's it's a much easier landing spot than saying well if you go to this Twitter or this YouTube or this you know Instagram page it's just a super easy fun landing spot and then even like the blog you know we could talk about you know when we found out we were pregnant or the right. gender reveal or the move or people yeah. now know Dennis or American Bully you know? yeah um, it's a fun way to kind of have an insight. You know, I know personally when I, you know, watch professional athletes, whether that's like world's strongest man or, or professional football players or whatever, it's cool for me to see the human element. Right. Because I think it's very easy to watch somebody like a, like a Brian Shaw, uh-huh. like six, eight, 400 pounds and four time world's strongest man and forget that he's dad. Yeah. And he's a husband. Yeah. And he's, he, he has bills and, and things he has to do. Yeah. He's got a honeydew list that he has to come back to. Yeah. <laughs> you do that sometimes and people yeah. forget. So I think um, that human element, I know, to, to me and to us was very interesting to see. And we had a lot of people ask. So it's like, all right, here's um, our way to kind of let everybody in and see, like, yeah. see, we're in a we, we argue and we, we bicker <laughs> and, and do all the things normal people do. We're just capable of eating. Uh, far too much food in one period of time. Yeah, I love it. I mean, who wouldn't want to see behind the curtain of the hungry couple? I can't even. Yeah, it's amazing. It's kind of, you know, and then if it you know develops into some you know further than that, you know, awesome. We love to travel. We love to eat. We kind of love. You know, I'm telling you, it. there needs to be a reality show or a movie. That you need be, it. That would be really cool. Any TV you know stations listening, we would yes, love to please. Uh, love to travel and like the hungry couple. Sacramento or Indiana. Yeah, the hungry couple plus one now, though. So we got to. Yeah, we're the hungry family now. (laughs) You have a hungry family and we need to feed them. So, all right, guys. Well, thank you so much, Nick, for coming on amidst this crazy time. It was so fun to watch you. I can't wait to see what you do next year, both of you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I genuinely appreciate it. I apologize. It's been the, the hectic nature no. of stuff. But, uh, but yeah, Meek and I are super psyched for, for 2022. And she recovers from baby. And, 
you know, now we have Mihi, Max, myself, Dennis, you know, the kiddos. So good. So, um, we're, we're excited to see how the rest of this year pans out, see how the eating calendar pans out and just kind of life in general. But uh, yes. I appreciate your time. No, of course. I cannot wait. So make sure you follow them, you guys, on all their socials. I'm going to put the links in the bio. The Hungry Couple on Instagram. They've got Twitter, their individual Twitters. They've got website, blog, YouTube videos, everything. Make sure you go find them. And it is going to be my mission to get this movie slash TV show made. I'm going to figure it out. <laughs> you guys be well. Give my love to the, the mother and child. And uh, I will talk to you soon. Well, thank you. All right. Thanks, guys, for following along. This has been the most fun competitive eating journey I've ever had. It's my first one, but it was still fun. Uh, that's going to be it for the this podcast episode and the competitive eating segment of this calendar year. We're going to jump into college football next episode, so make sure you stay tuned. And as always, stay sassy.